When somebody gets overwhelmed, they're not thinking about what's normal. They're thinking about, this is too much, I have to get out. That's the go-to. And they're feeling overloaded. They don't know how to break things down. They don't know how to accept discomfort. That's what we want to talk to our kids about. Welcome to Season 6 of Fluster Clucks with Lynn Lyons, where we talk about a family's anxiety and all the big feelings, too. We tackle the serious stuff without being too serious, and I'm your co-host, Robin. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law, and I'm here to ask your questions. And I'm Lynn Lyons. I'm an anxiety expert, speaker, mom, and author, and I've been a therapist for over 30 years. Parenting can be a Fluster Clucks, and I'm here to help you find your way. I'll give you concrete steps to take and the words to say. So Lynn, since we started the podcast and we created the anxiety audit and you wrote the book on the anxiety audit, there is one pattern that I never realized was such an anxiety pattern that I am still now continuing to learn to manage. And that is overwhelm. That is a big one that can take a lot of different forms. Yeah. And it's interesting because I get a lot of questions about this both when I'm speaking and also we get questions on the podcast group and people email me. And it really is, how do I manage either myself or my child when something feels like too much? So when I'm overwhelmed, now we know that there is external overwhelm and that really consists of taking on too much and saying yes to too many things and packing your calendar so that you're rushing from one thing to another and that you've got no room for error. That's one kind of overwhelm that's really based on your external planning and not setting boundaries and all that stuff that we've talked about. But this type of overwhelm, what I want to talk about today is what happens when you're stepping into a situation and it might be new, it might be a transition, so it might be a developmental leap if you've got younger children. How do we manage that internal overwhelm? Because there is a part of us that says, this is new, this is different. And then if we tend to be more anxious or we tend to be a little more hesitant in life, then that overwhelm becomes a warning sign that you need to pull back, you need to get out, you can't handle it. And what we really want to pay attention to as we're helping our kids step and move and grow and develop is to know the difference between what should we step into and how do we need to push our children into things and when is it appropriate for them to step out of something or hang back? How do we manage our kids when they're experiencing this overwhelm of, this is too much, I can't do it? A parent could encounter this in a lot of different scenarios. So it's kind of important to be thoughtful about the systemic reason underlying this so that you're intervening in the most constructive way. Right. And oftentimes the reason behind it or sort of the way the pattern sort of happens consistently is that a child and a family together, they don't really know how to tolerate something that feels new or big or uncertain. And so as soon as that discomfort comes up, as soon as they get hit with new input, new data, new experiences, they say, this is not familiar, so I'm out. Now, there's another part of it too, and you can go back and listen to the past episode that we did on sensory issues because people were saying, well, is it a sensory issue or an anxiety issue? Sometimes it's hard to sort that out because they hang out together. And so sometimes it's just the stimulus, the nervous stimulus. 
So an example of that would be, say you take a child to a fireworks display and the loud noise is just really overwhelming and they don't want to participate in it and they want to leave. Or if there is some situation where there is a lot of people and a lot of chaos going on, that it's difficult for them to sort of step into that and get involved in that, that can be a different thing. What I'm talking about is really sort of the normal daily tasks and developmental stages and opportunities that our kids have that they will feel overwhelmed, they will feel uncomfortable, and do we help them avoid? Mm, Not necessarily, but sometimes. And how do we help them step into that? And how do we normalize this process of going from feeling, I don't know how to manage this, to how do I incorporate this into my life? So we're always looking to expand or add to our children's experiences. Anxiety wants the opposite. Anxiety says, how do I make this person's life smaller, not how do I expand their life and add new things? A teenager learning to drive who's a little hesitant about learning to drive and getting behind the wheel. Right. So that's something that can feel overwhelming and understandably because it's a new task. They've been in cars most of their lives, right? But now we're asking them to take on a level of responsibility. We're asking them to learn a new task. We're asking them to practice new skills and it can be overwhelming. Remember, oftentimes when we're looking at things that are overwhelming, when we're looking at things in this global cognitive way, so we're looking at the whole thing, it's really important to break it down into parts and to take it step by step. When you're teaching somebody to drive, that's what you're doing. You don't start out taking them on the highway. You start out taking them to the empty parking lot. How do we help kids step in? And every step you take, every new part of it, every way that you stretch yourself you're going to feel uncomfortable. You're going to feel a little overwhelmed. The more we break it down and the more we normalize it, the more likely it is that they're going to step into it. What are some examples for younger children? Oh, so actually just saw this video on probably on Instagram where this little boy, and he was probably like three, the dad is holding a frog in front of this little three-year-old And he starts out by completely freaking out, like screaming at the top of his lungs. And the mom is sitting there and she's sort of holding him on her lap and she's kind of rubbing his chest in a sweet way. And they're talking him through it. They're saying like, look at the frog and see, you can touch the frog, you can pet the frog. And so he'll reach out, he'll touch the frog. And then the dad like turns the frog a little bit so that I guess the little boy sees its face and then he screams again. And the parents just hang in there with him, talking to him about the frog. Now, some people may say, well, why is he afraid of a frog? I don't know why he's afraid of a frog. Maybe he's never seen a frog before and it looks weird. Doesn't really matter. But you can see the process that the parents take. It's actually a wonderful example of helping a little child who's feeling overwhelmed by something step-by-step, being able to get closer to it, being able to explore it a little bit until finally they get to a place of comfort or familiarity. Say you've got a child starting at a new school. So you've got a child who's starting kindergarten or a child who's starting at a new preschool. Say they're joining an activity. So it's their first day at ballet class or their first day at t-ball practice. If you step into it, with this feeling of overwhelm. We don't know how this is going to go. We don't know what's going to happen. 
and you get caught up in that too. There are a few things that you will do as a parent. A, you'll talk too much. You'll have the expectation that it's important for them to know everything that's going to happen. But it really is okay for younger kids, particularly if you've got a child who's a little introverted, to stand back a little bit, to observe. You can give a little narration like, oh, look, see the kids go and pick up the ball or, oh, see what the teacher says or, oh, let's step in. And it's okay with little kids to let them sort of put their toes in the water and get a little more used to it as they're acquiring some familiarity with the setting. But what we don't want to do is we really want to pay attention to our catastrophic language. We really want to make sure that we are not providing a very quick and immediate exit strategy. So parents will say things like, well, if you don't like it, we can leave. As soon as they feel overwhelmed, they're going to be like, yep, I can go now. So really helping kids understand that it's going to feel different, that it's going to be different. I talk to kids about when I moved to a new city for the first time, and there were so many things I didn't know. I didn't know where the grocery store was. I didn't know where the dry cleaners was. I didn't know where the gym was and how we learn step by step so that we get familiar with the environment. And that's a process to take with little kids for sure. Let's take a break and we'll come right back. Okay. I really have to pay attention to hydrating properly. I work out a lot. I talk all the time, as you know. I am pretty active and I don't drink enough water. So I'm constantly thinking about how it is that I am going to hydrate in the best way possible. And I'll tell you, if my water has a little bit of flavor, it's so much easier for me. And if I can get those electrolytes, if I can get more bang for my buck, it's just so much better. I have been using liquid IV. I put it into a huge glass. I put it into the refrigerator. It's cold. It's very tasty. I've been putting it in my water bottle when I go to the gym. The packaging is so convenient. I actually look forward to drinking it, which is not something that comes naturally to me. I love the lemon-lime flavor. They've got a sugar-free option that is really great. So I think that if you're somebody like me that has a difficult time getting in the amount of hydration that you need for your body, Liquid IV is a great option. One stick, 16 ounces of water, it hydrates better than water alone. It's got three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, and it doesn't have all that sugar. It doesn't have artificial sweeteners. Eight vitamins and nutrients just for your everyday wellness. It's non-GMO and free from gluten, dairy, and soy. However you hydrate, grab your liquid IV, hydration multiplier, sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco, or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code FLUSTER at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code FLUSTER at liquidiv.com. Okay, we're back. So Lynn, when you described the different scenarios of this type of internal overwhelm, what I kind of heard is if you are walking into a new class for the first time as a child, you're learning how to drive, in a way, it's almost like an umbrella term of different patterns. 
because you could be catastrophizing, you could be ruminating, you could be shutting down. It's like a variety of feelings are going on. But I think the meta point is that a large number of feelings are showing up that are difficult to manage. You're right. And included in that would also be global thinking, like black and white thinking. So I don't feel comfortable right at the start. So this must not be a place for me. Or I can't figure out how to use a stick shift in the first two minutes that I'm doing this. And so I'm never going to figure this out. Or perfectionism, like I don't want to be a novice on anything. I want to know how to do something. Right. Recognizing and helping kids understand and even talking to them a little bit ahead of time. Again, not a ton, but a little bit ahead of time where you're saying it's totally normal for you to have a lot of big feelings, or you could say some big feelings, as we step into this. Because we don't know. One of the games that I play with kids is the what I know and what I don't know game, where there are things we do know about a situation, and there are a lot of things we don't know about a situation. So you can talk to your kids about that. We know that your ballet teacher is named Sophia. We know that you have class on Tuesday. We know that there are going to be probably about eight to 10 other kids in your class. We know that this is what you're going to wear. And there's a lot of things we don't know. And then maybe you start listing the things you don't know. We don't know exactly who's going to be in the class. We don't know what noises are going to happen in the ballet school or the dance school. You start listing things. And the goal is to really normalize the idea that you step in not knowing and that it's okay to have these feelings. It was interesting. I was talking to a young woman who's going to be moving soon from here to a different state. And I said, how are you thinking about it? How are you feeling about it? And she said, so when I think about going, I get nervous, she said, but it's kind of this fluttery uncertainty that I know is because I'm stepping into something new versus this real panic that I used to feel in my gut of, I don't know what to do. That's an evolution that she's made wonderfully from recognizing new things feel uncomfortable and feel scary versus this is a warning sign that I need to not do it. So maybe in the past, or if somebody is really anxious, they would say, well, I'm going to listen to my gut. And my gut is telling me that this is not comfortable. But she's saying, no, I am normalizing and I am understanding and I'm even anticipating that I'm going to have a lot of these feelings. When somebody gets overwhelmed, they're not thinking about what's normal. They're thinking about this is too much. I have to get out. That's the go-to. And they're feeling overloaded. They don't know how to break things down. They don't know how to accept discomfort. That's what we want to talk to our kids about. Breaking it up into parts is one of my favorite mantras. I say it to myself all the time. Yep, so do I. And also the understanding that comes from life experience, so little kids don't understand this, and sometimes teenagers don't understand this too, is that we start feeling overwhelmed or we start by feeling overwhelmed, and then it's the experience and the stepping in that actually takes away that feeling or takes away that perception. And this is why it's so important for parents to recognize that putting in accommodations or putting in a blanket approach of if you feel uncomfortable, if this is too much, we're going to take you out is generally not a good plan. Are there times when it's okay to not 
do something that you don't like that is big and loud. There are people who say, oh God, I don't like to go to concerts because it's too loud or I don't like to fill in the blank. That's totally fine. But as a pattern, particularly as it pertains to stepping into situations that are social so that there are other people, there are activities, you really want to make sure that this idea of I have to step in and feel comfortable from the start, that's very different than saying we're going to step in, we're going to feel this way, and we're going to break it down into parts. And there's going to be steps that we're going to take that are going to allow us to get more acclimated to this situation. You just mentioned something that actually made me think of a couple of adults who have patterns similar. I can think of a person I know who would will not go to movie theaters. She's like, it's dirty, it's loud, I don't like being, like, I'd rather just be home. And so it's interesting to really think about that pattern, because now that I think about her with more information that we've discussed in the podcast, I realize she has a pattern of really liking everything just so. So it's one thing to have a preference, but it's another to really start kind of rigidly making choices so that you avoid, 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 avoid things. I mean, isn't the goal to know like when you got to show up, you show up, but you don't have to always show up. Right. And that's a good example of your friend saying, I never go to movie theaters, right? So there's a global statement. There's a rigid statement. And so what happens, remember, is that when people say, oh, that overwhelms me, or I can't handle that, or I don't do that, they start crossing life experiences off their list. So, oh, I can't handle bridges, or I can't handle restaurants, or I can't handle fill in the blank, and then your world gets smaller and smaller and smaller. There's probably stuff that we all do, and it's helpful to think about what is it that we are trying to avoid? And are we being rigid about that avoidance? And of course, you know, you know that I'm much more interested in the process than the content. And so what you want to pay attention to with your kids is that if they say, well, I just don't want to go on that thing, or I just don't want to join that group, or I just don't want to play on that team, you may think, or you may get pulled into thinking that it's something specific. Well, they just don't like tennis. What you want to look at is the process of hearing them say, that feels uncomfortable, that feels overwhelming, that feels difficult, I'm not going to do it. So if we look at this little video of this little boy with the frog, the parents could have said, well, clearly frogs are overwhelming to him. Let's not show him a frog and let's make sure that we stay away from frogs. And then it becomes this thing of, oh, I hate frogs or frogs are too much. And so always think about how are you saying to your child, here's the skill of learning how to manage something that feels overwhelming. There was a great question in our Facebook group for our podcast. If you're not in the Facebook group, you can join it. It was a really good question. But her son has to go on a five-day camping trip with his class. I think he's in middle school. That's a long school trip. It is a long school trip. And I said to her, I get. So she was saying, is this something that I force him to do? Is this something that I give him a pass on because he's gone on smaller trips before and they haven't gone well? So this feels really big and overwhelming, both to the mom and to her son. And what I said in the response 
was that I'm much more interested in the bigger picture and how between now and when the trip happens, how are you going to help him step into situations in which he feels uncomfortable so he can practice managing? Because if all of the attention was, there's this five-day trip coming up in March, and all we're going to do is focus on how to get ready for that trip. For one, how do you practice that? You're going to practice five-day camping trips ahead of time? That's going to be really hard to do. But you can practice stepping into situations which feel big, which feel unfamiliar, having him step in on purpose so that as he is developing the ability to manage the big feelings that pop up. Now, should he go on the five-day trip? I don't know. You're right. Five days is a long time. But are there ways that they can work on this process of overwhelm before the trip comes up? One of the things I notice quite a bit, actually, in the questions that I get from a variety of sources, and it's hard, I get it, it's hard, but people want to practice the specific task rather than looking at the bigger pattern. Or skill required. Correct. It would be interesting if I called up this family that had a little frog. Is this kid a really adventurous kid that steps into all sorts of new things and it's frogs that really get him? Maybe. Or is this child somebody who, when they're faced with something unfamiliar, has that really big freak-out reaction? And so how do you continue to give him a steady diet of stepping into things that feel big and overwhelming? So if this middle schooler was one of your clients and you were working with him, what would be some of the skills and things you would talk to him about? Because I think the key thing is, What invisible things can he pack with him to take with him to help him while he's there? Yeah. As always, because this thing is really redundant, the big skill that I would want him to talk about, and this is where a lot of people stop when they're working on the way I deal with anxiety. So they'll say, well, we've expected the anxiety to show up and we've given it a name and we're talking to it. And then I'll say, yeah, that's great. Now what's next? The next thing is... When you feel overwhelmed or when the worry shows up, when you have these big feelings, how are you changing the relationship with them? So the skill that I would want him to develop is to be able to step in, expect those feelings to show up, expect those thoughts to show up, and then change his relationship to them, which means as he's practicing, of course I'm going to feel this way. Even expect I'm not going to sleep very well the the first night of the trip because my worry is going to be talking at me and catastrophizing. I haven't worked with this middle school student, but there are a lot of middle schools around me that have these type of trips. Over the years, I've had tons of kids come in and they are so focused on being able to get out of that trip or what's going to happen on that trip. And one of the things I'm really working on with them is that in a more umbrella way, how are you going to allow the trip to unfold without your catastrophic worry telling you stories? And the really important thing too is that people, kids and adults alike, get worried about feeling worried. If you're the mom of this middle school boy, what I hear and what you have taught us is, okay, we're going to call your worry Simon. And even if he's been resistant to this point to externalize and name worry, because maybe the family has not tried that yet, or maybe they have and they resist it. Just say, look, you and Simon are going on this trip. 
Simon is going to show up. He's going to show up a lot of different points through this trip. And this is what we're going to do when Simon shows up. Expect it. Don't freak out when Simon's there. The first thing to say is, hello, Simon. And even so concretely, what I might do is, okay, so let's get an index card out and let's write down what we know Simon is going to do. And we're going to put it in your pocket. And I talked about this in a previous episode about dealing with family members' patterns. The way that anxiety stays so powerful, the way that our worry stays so powerful is that we treat it like it's breaking news. That when it does what it's going to do, that when it says what it's going to say, we respond as if that requires something from us. If this child is going to go on this camping trip or this school trip, have in his pocket a list of the things that we know Simon is going to say. Simon is going to say, this is an emergency. Simon is going to say, this is too much. You got to get out of here. And we want this child to have a response, not that says, I shouldn't feel that way, or that isn't true, or anything that sort of tries to eliminate or dismiss what Simon says, but really very simply to say, this is exactly what we knew Simon was going to do. This is exactly what we knew Simon was going to say. And then what do you do when Simon shows up? So very concretely, we don't want to text mom when Simon shows up. We don't want to hide in our sleeping bag when Simon shows up. We don't want to go inside our head and watch the catastrophic movie that Simon is playing for us. Or say you have a tummy ache and go try and escape something with a somatic Simon response. Right. So Simon is going to say, we got to get out of here. And your job in that moment is to say, this is what Simon says. And this is what I'm going to do instead. Again, metaphors and analogies really help in this situation. So if a child is feeling overwhelmed and you're trying to help them recognize that the goal is to step in rather than avoid, give them some sort of analogy or metaphor that makes sense to them. So say you've got a dog in your family and the dog loves to bark and chase at other dogs when you're out for a walk. Well, you don't say, well, we're not going to take this dog ever out of the house. And the dog is going to have to poop and pee in the house because we can't go outside because it's too overwhelming and the dog gets upset. What you're going to do is you're going to take the dog outside over and over and over again. And you're going to teach the dog how to respond differently to other dogs when they show up. It's the same thing with anxiety. We're going to take you out into the world. And we're going to teach you to respond differently to Simon when Simon shows up. We're not going to get rid of Simon. We're not going to get rid of the camping trip, just as we wouldn't say we're going to keep the dog in the house, or we're going to see if we can pass a ban on all dogs in your neighborhood. We're going to keep stepping in over and over and over again so that your brain learns. It's so important to remember that the brain learns through experience and without the experience of feeling overwhelmed and then getting coached through it, remember, it's all done with love and support, they're not going to learn that they can handle more than their worry thinks they can handle. And you can't be in the cult with worry saying to your child, well, you can't handle this, you can't handle this, you can't handle this. And that's happening a lot now is that, unfortunately, kids and parents are saying, this triggers me. This feels overwhelming to me, so now the goal is to make sure we avoid it and demand that other people help us avoid it as well. That's going to backfire. Let's take a break, and we'll be right back. 
You know, sometimes people wait until something bad happens to talk to a therapist, but why wait? Therapy can help you shift your perspective, find tools to cope in difficult times, and feel grounded in your personal relationships. So getting started is the important part. Talkspace makes it easy and affordable. With Talkspace, you can sign up online and get a personalized match with a provider that's right for you, typically within 48 hours. It's incredibly convenient to have virtual sessions with your licensed therapist from the comfort of your home, your car, your office. There's no need to commute to appointments and miss time at work or line up childcare in order to attend sessions. It's mental health care made easy. That's right. And it's secure and private. They use the latest end-to-end bank-grade encryption technology to store client information, complying with the latest HIPAA regulations. Remember, Talkspace is affordable and it's in-network with most major insurers. As a listener of this podcast, you'll get $80 off your first month with Talkspace when you go to Talkspace.com slash Fluster. To match with your licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash Fluster to get $80 off your first month. That's Talkspace.com slash Fluster. You know, when you're listening to a song on the radio and you just have this feeling that the song was written about you or that it was someone that you love trying to say something to you, well, now imagine the power to gift that same incredible feeling to someone you love with an original song that actually is about them and about your relationship and that Songfinch writes just for you. Songfinch lets you create an original radio quality song inspired by your own life and the people that you love. It's completely unique, it's personal, and it lasts forever. I had the pleasure of creating a family song with Songfinch about our summer celebrations that we have every year. I knew it was going to make everybody cry, and it certainly did. I got to be honest, I was even crying, giving all of the information and helping personalize my song with the writer that I chose. He absolutely delivered a beautiful acoustic song that captured exactly what I was looking for, and it was so fun to share with the family. So whether you're song is for Father's Day, an upcoming graduation, a wedding or an anniversary, or even just a gift to show your loved one how much you care, start your song now to lock in one of Songfinch's top artists. Don't waste another dollar on more stuff. It only takes four to seven days, but that song will last forever. For a limited time, Songfinch is letting our listeners upload their song to Spotify for free so you and the lucky person or people can listen to it anywhere, anytime. So go to songfinch.com slash fluster and start your song. After you purchase, you'll be prompted to add Spotify streaming for your original song for free, a $50 value. Again, the URL is songfinch.com slash Fluster. Don't forget to share your song with us too in our Facebook group, songfinch.com slash fluster. Okay, so now back to the show. Yeah, you bring up Simon does not go away. Simon is with you your whole life. And I think it's helpful to just say like Simon never goes away, but eventually Simon's about to say something. You roll your eyes at Simon And you pivot and you don't even let Simon speak. With a lot of practice, Simon gets to say less and less and less. And Simon has less influence, has less power. One of the things that I see families doing too, which is really something that parents should pay attention to, 
is that if you have a child that gets overwhelmed by something, say you have a child that gets overwhelmed by a dog or kids screaming and yelling on the playground or being loud in the cafeteria, one of the things that parents will do, it's not like they're going to go to the school and say, the school needs to make sure the cafeteria is quiet, but they will talk in front of their children and with their children about the people that are doing the stuff that feels overwhelming and they will blame those people and they will be critical and judgmental of those people. Say there's a dog that's running around and barking and your child gets overwhelmed by dogs, parents oftentimes, without even thinking, will say, oh, that person needs to learn how to train their dog. Or, oh, I would never have a dog like that. Or you're sitting on a plane and you hear a baby cry. That parent should make that baby stop crying. Oh, I know. I just was on a plane and the baby was behind me and clearly it was the ear thing on the landing. Oh, I just felt so sorry for the baby and for the mom. All sorts of situations in which we throw judgment at the situation. When we do that in front of our children, what we're saying is, you don't have to learn how to manage what life throws at you. We are going to be mad at the people throwing it. And that just sets you up for being irritated a lot to talk about another pattern. And also, it doesn't give you the opportunity to manage and to figure out how to tolerate when things are overwhelming. Well, it stifles your ability to practice being flexible. Correct. Let's take that driving analogy again. So you're driving and driving is overwhelming to you and somebody goes by you on the highway going 90 miles an hour or somebody's tailgating you or there's a lot of traffic and you start blaming traffic, you start blaming the other drivers. And what you're modeling for your children is everybody needs to drive 57 miles an hour with both hands on the wheel with a certain distance in a way that's comfortable for me or I'm not going on the highway. And you are saying to your child over and over and over again, overwhelm is a consequence of other people's bad behavior. And that's not the message we want to give kids because I get it. Sometimes it is, but you can't control that. Remember, the main goal is to expand your child's experiences, not to constrict them. Even our college application essay episode we did recently, the whole concept of what is your off-ramp strategy for accommodating your kids, there were a lot of good things in there about where all the different parenting patterns and decisions and choices that we're making, where they head. I just saw there is a company that you can hire in the city where your child is in school, a substitute mom to do all the things for your child that you can't do now that they're not in your house. And that includes things like making doctor's appointments, doing their laundry, helping them organize this and that, delivering meals if they don't like the food in the dining hall, there is a company, and I forget what it's called, there's probably more than one now, but it's a concierge mom service for when your children are at college. If anyone thinks that's a good idea. <laughs> then you need to go back and start at episode one and listen to every episode <laughs> along the way. And it was pricey too. There were several plans that were laid out and the person who has this business is now looking to recruit women to work in all sorts of different 
cities and venues so that she can expand this nationally. Now, I'm not busting on her for being entrepreneurial, but it really is in complete opposition to everything that I want parents to hear about sending your kid off to school. Yeah. That's a problem that we are so intolerant of overwhelm and new things and discomfort. Well, because we know where it goes. All the concern that we have about the mental health of our young people, which is very warranted, we have to take a look at the patterns that are setting them up for that and also that are validating their inability to move through the world. And we're championing their inner Simons. Simon is then control. We are saying you are incapable. You aren't able to manage this. You can't do this. So we need to hire or we need to step in to make sure that you don't fail or you don't get hurt or you don't feel uncomfortable. Yeah, it really is not good. It's not good. Thanks for listening. And if you found this podcast helpful, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find this information. And if you'd like to dig deeper on any of these topics, we have specialized playlists on our Spotify profile and the link is in the show notes. Topics like teens, depression, and OCD. Bye, Lynn. Bye, Robin. Bye, Robin.